fiasco Representing that first and 15 Yeah, uh And this one right here I dedicate this one right here To all my homies out there grinding Verbally Effective, episode 11, your double E, Ina Esco in the building, and I have a special guest with me today. I have Memphis native Marco Pave in the building. How you doing, Marco? I'm good. I'm good. You know, when I started this podcast, I said, I'm not going to have a podcast that's going to box me in and I only talk about one thing because, you know, people relate me with music. Mm -hmm. I said, if someone here... As my guest and it's music related, I really have to fool with them mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want it to be a variety of things. But you're so much more than a hip hop artist. Mm-hmm. You are an activist in the community, an educator, a mentor, a TEDx speaker. Mm-hmm. So you have just a plethora of things behind your resume and your name. So let's first start off and talk about you being from North Memphis. What part of North Memphis are you from? I'm from uh, Watkinson Brown, like near, you okay. know, Watkinson Jackson, uh, New Northside High, okay. uh, all, all over there near Smoky City. Smoky yeah, City. Yeah. I know what Smoky City yeah, is. Yeah. Okay, so you are a Memphis native, mm-hmm. and you're very connected to arts. Have you always been involved in art in general uh, growing up in the city of Memphis? Yes, always. It was just always something that I did. I started rapping at like eight years old. So yeah, that was always my my go-to thing, the thing that I wanted to do, and it just built built from there. Okay, and do you think that Memphis gave you all of the tools that you need to become the best at what you do? Um, the talent wise, yeah. So just being from Memphis, I feel like I've have the, the list goes on of the people that I could study, um, from Stax Records to Isaac Hayes to Otis Redding to Three Six Mafia to Yo Gotti. Um, I could study those people all day, but the, the, the parts that I was missing was the, the more of the business support, um, to, to really put it out there into the world um i never really understood how to how to get yourself out there we don't have labels here where you could just walk in and and get a deal traditionally if you make it as a hip-hop artist you had some big either drug money investment or you you lucked up and got a record deal i don't have either either one of those so it's like more of a of a bootstrap from the from the ground up build it your own uh type of deal so it's it's definitely built me even with that lack of support or lack of infrastructure, it is is made me, it's forced me to figure out how to do it on my own. So, it Memphis still has equipped me in a way. It's just mm-hmm. in a different kind of way. So you started your journey grassroots level. So mm-hmm. um, you basically taught yourself, and you have your own label. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk me through your process of understanding the business side of this industry. Um. So in twenty. 20- 10 i think um i was blessed well no before that when the memphis music foundation was first uh constructed uh me and my friends i was in eighth grade so me and my friends used to just to to go after school used to go up there and get paperwork about copyrights and different stuff like that um that was really early on um and i probably took like a two or three year break from going up there um just because i wasn't able to get there but by 2010 I was frequently going up there and, and getting books about copyrights and learning what what it means to how to run a business and different stuff like that. And I was able to meet like folks like Kendrick Lamar and Lupe Fiasco through through these uh, 
talks that they had and they brought those artists out. Um, so that was really informative. So but, that was a while back. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Before Kendrick blew up. Yeah, it was way before he, he blew was up. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was straight. He yeah. seemed like a, a rooted individual. Yeah, yeah. He was super okay. cool. But beyond that, once they got defunded and, and went out of went out, went out of business, why did it get uh, defunded? I don't know. I don't uh-huh. want to speak on that. <laughs> Let's put it out there. Uh, we can get to that. Okay, uh, okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they got defunded and it was just a lack of, of, of support and infrastructure. So I had to really, you know, depend on myself and do do the work that was necessary to 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 make a to make a successful career. Mm-hmm. Listening to your TEDx talk. How did you get involved with TEDx? Because that's like one of my goals in life mm-hmm. is to do a TEDx talk. I know me and you kind of yeah. talked about it via yeah. social media before. But how did that all come about? Um, so 2014, I had been like getting onto the lecture circuit. I uh, had the opportunity to speak at UCLA and University of Cincinnati, um, these different schools, and just really perfecting my skill of talking to crowds. Um, and then, is it because of the subject matter you were talking about? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, the subject matter. So it was, you know, this is the heat of the moment of Black Lives Matter. This is, okay, you know, okay. really in in the midst of it all. I'm you like, have a young man from Memphis that can come and speak to all yeah, UCLA students. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. And so that was that was the way I was able to get into it um, and just let them know what's going on in Memphis. This is this is what's happening here. But then also speaking to larger issues of of racism, of police brutality, of white supremacy, and stuff like that. Uh, so. I had the resume and I saw that TEDx was coming to Memphis um, doing their first one. And I just emailed the, the the people and was like, hey, check out my resume. This is what I've done. This is where I spoke at. And that was just like, wow, OK, let, let's do it. And so after that, that was the moment where it got really real because, you know, I had to come up and develop this 18 minute speech. 18 um, minutes is a long time <laughs> it to be is, in front of people it talking. It is. It's ridiculous. So You did it, though. Uh, so I did a lot of research, a lot of development. It was like working on like a college thesis or something. It like really it was. was yeah, because it was, it was very detailed. Yeah, yeah. And you put out a lot of statistics mm-hmm. in your TEDx talk. And one of them, when you got down to Tennessee, stating that $6 million out of a $12 billion budget mm-hmm. as far as money going towards the art mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. is not being utilized mm-hmm. why aren't we utilizing that budget like they have their preferences on what we're going to give money to in, in non-profits like how does that work um so a lot of the a lot of the non-profits end up getting a lot of the money but even with the the six million dollars that's not enough that's not enough for, that's for a drop in a bucket. yeah this is literally a drop in the bucket so tennessee is just one of those weird states where we don't do the logical things to to move the people forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very conservative state, and anything that works for the people is is the opposite of what the govern go, the government wants to do. So you know, Tennessee has one of the largest populations of of, of prison prisoners in in the in the country Maybe and therefore the world. And so that that has a, a lot mm-hmm. lot to do with it. And then just on the Memphis Memphis level, um, the investments are, you know, people spend so much money on developing an organization and the organization goes out to, okay, let's find the artists, let's find the artists that we need to to, to fund. But you 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 took fifteen steps to do one step. Right. 
instead of just finding artists and funding the artists and letting them do do what they're going to do, mm-hmm. which which is going to bring success to the city regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people don't want to look at artists in that light. They just assume that artists will blow the money or or, or it'll be a bad investment or they'll just not live up to their word. And mm-hmm. so the investments in the art, specifically in the artists, is, is not, not happening. Yeah. I mean, even looking at the comparisons with other big cities, mm-hmm. How you know they they utilize their budget? Mm-hmm. I mean, they see that artists are really using this money to develop their craft mm-hmm. and be successful mm-hmm. at it. So, um, since you've been raising awareness about that, has anything changed with funds being dispersed at a higher level? Um, I wouldn't say that. A lot of people, I, I can go on the record and say this: a lot of people have taken my words and and you know, use them as their own or or. Mm. or uh, I've I've brought it to the the forefront in the consciousness of of Memphians, but that the credit is is literally not you know coming to me. Like mm-hmm. I, people think that I'm speaking as an arts administrator, but I'm speaking as an artist. I know for sure mm-hmm. the people. I know what it's like to be to be broke as an artist and mm-hmm. to not have the funding to push your project and and have to literally you know take the scraps and and, and make something out of nothing. And so it's, it's a very unfortunate situation to be in on a platform like that where you are speaking to funders and they say, "Oh, well, that's okay, that's a good idea," and and then leave you out of the <laughs> leave you out that's of the conversation. Crazy. Um, but it's it's things are starting to change up a bit. People are starting to have some of the conversations. Um, it's just you know, it, it's slow. The progress is so slow when it comes to foundation money and when it comes to funders and, and just people who have their way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the budget, if, if Tennessee has a $12 billion budget, how much would you say of that $12 billion would Memphis have access to? <sighs> Upwards of what, maybe? I don't really know because you got to think of the state of Tennessee is such a racist place. Like mm-hmm. Memphis oh. has, you know, almost half of the black population right. of the state. And so, that's crazy. Yeah. So Nashville eating that budget a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they eating it all up, and then you know Knoxville is 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 getting a lot of that money to to develop. And we uh, the home of the blues. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean the decision makers with this. Who are the decision makers? Uh, you know the the governor, governorship. Uh, we have you know Steve Cohen is there. We need uh, to talk to Steve. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have Steve uh, on <laughs> the podcast soon. Get my man. Um, uh, <laughs> Lee Harris, I I, I, Harris. I really support Lee. Um, I, I I like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fighting really hard for for our side of the state to be okay. to be looked at. And so yeah, we 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 got representatives. Um, but again, it's it's about racism. It's about how people view this area. If it's invested in, that means that black people benefit, and that just historically has, has not been what people want. So. And that's crazy because it's been we're we're actually literally celebrating 50 years mm-hmm. since the assassination mm-hmm. of Martin Luther King in the city of Memphis. And a lot of people say, um, how far have we come? Mm-hmm. And you have to really look at that. How far have we really come since that dealing with racism? Not, not very not far. far at all. Yeah, Like the poverty rates are it's, the same. One, right? Yeah, yeah. The poverty rate is the same from when King came. And a lot of people misconstrue what King represented. King was a very radical person. Yes. He was very trying to change the the status quo of how America was ran. He wanted to bring so many people out of poverty, but when he started to switch his focus from 
only black people to poor people, that's when that's when the government was like, no, you're doing too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's literally the, the reason why he was, you know, assassinated in Memphis, because this was around the time when he was trying to develop the poor people's march, which mm-hmm. was going to be which includes everybody. It's white people, black people, anybody that's poor coming together um, to 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 look at the the one percent. And that was just too much. But if we think about it, the poverty rates from what, what he was talking about then are the same as now. Exactly. So, but that also means there's more people in poverty because it's, it was the population was smaller then. Now it's more people in poverty at the same rate. When is the change coming? I mean, what is going to have to happen for us to have real change in Memphis? What do you think? Uh, we, we 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 just have to be more radical and not be so so passive aggressive about what's what what we want and what's going to happen. Like and they're, just they're, accepting what yeah, they exactly give us. just accepting anything. And it's like, man, I'm I'm in a situation right now where uh, it's it's some funding supposed to be coming and and you know, but I'm not taking I'm not taking the scraps. Like if they if they want to offer me the scrap, I will find another place to get it from i'm not doing it mm-hmm. um i know what i want to do for the people i know what i'm going to do for the people and that's just that's just what it is so we just you know it's it's more it's powerful black people um and, and a lot of times we everybody in memphis is not poor uh, no. we do have a high poverty rate but we do have some powerful black folks um they can help um we just have to start having more conversations and and, and doing more about what thinking about more more of what we can do um, collectively. And sometimes that seems to be hard for us to get together mm-hmm. collectively mm-hmm. and agree on what we're going to mm-hmm. do. I mean, just speaking on um, racism in America, uh, I'm sure you've heard about the recent killing of an unarmed 22-year-old uh, African-American male by the name of Stephon Clark. In Sacramento, California, this just happened a couple of days ago. I believe it all began with the police receiving a report that a black man was vandalizing vehicles. Mm -hmm. And so they had the helicopter up there. They had the police on the ground looking for this black man, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the guy, it was at night time. And the guy, I guess he was running from the police. Not sure. You know, we don't know all the details. However, in the end, they shot him 20 times. 20 times and it turns out he didn't have a gun on him of course they were saying well we were fearing for our lives like they always say the man had a cell phone in his hand you know it seems like this is just repetitively happening over and over again a young black man getting killed by white officers Mm -hmm. um do you think that we're getting desensitized to this information at this point or I mean, it always seems that in the end, if they go on trial, if they go Mm -hmm. on trial, if they get indicted or, you know, it just seems like they just get the slap on the hand and Mm -hmm. they resign. And Mm -hmm. that's that on that. They're never charged. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think about this situation? It's I've I've seen it floating around um, and I've I've tried to take um, just a different approach, like when. At the height of some of these uh, killings where the videos were just popping up and just flowing through my timeline i literally like have to get off social media because it's, it's like you said it. it is we shouldn't look at it we, mm-hmm. we we know what it looks like to be murdered we know what it looks like for somebody to die um but like you said it does make us desensitized to 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 the issues there's just so much violence happening throughout the world throughout the country gun violence is at an all-time high mm. um 
that that it is just it's a it's a ridiculous thing. But you you have this happening, this this murder that happened of the of the police killing this man. But then you have this bom- bomber in Austin, Texas, who yes. you know every news station is literally saying, "Oh, he was a he was a good kid," or what is happening. But it it's clear what's happening. We live in a white supremacist mm-hmm. nation, mm-hmm. and the media does what it does best, and it's promote white white supremacy. And no matter if the person has killed 55 people with a gun, with the with the AR-15, or blew up four different places, um, they get to have their humanity and they get to be respected in in the end. So it's I don't I don't even know what to do at this point. You do feel like that because look at who's the president now, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, 45 is just off the chain. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've never had anything like this. Mm-hmm. He's just off the rails. Mm-hmm. And um, his support of these white organizations, I mean, it's just so disheartening. Mm-hmm. 45, I know you didn't vote for him. No, no not at all. <laughs> uh, do you think he's about to get impeached or what um, at this point with all the porn stars yeah, yeah, and yeah. the playgirls coming mm-hmm. out? What do you think? Why? What the hell is taking so long? It's, it's really not taking that long. That's the thing, like... We we so caught up. We just can see everything happening faster every day. We can see, it's yeah, new. yeah, because it's just a, the internet. It bring it is bringing bringing it all to our attention so fast. But uh, Mueller is investigating everybody every and day. He don't get fired. They they bringing charges. Like he not gonna stop though. I don't I don't care what happens. What? I, okay, I feel if like he get fired, Mueller gonna find a way to get these people. Because <laughs> like, Donald Trump's <laughs> lawyer just got fired. Yep. So they, they're uh, if what we fo- if we focus on the people who have been getting caught up, it's it's going to happen. But the thing that I that I fear is Mike Pence becoming mm-hmm. president. That's who we need to Everybody worry about. That's he Donald he Trump. A quiet little sneaky exactly. son. Huh? He looks like think a of, devil. Think about how um Bush Bush was Dick Cheney was the person that was that was doing mm-hmm. everything. He Bush was just the the public buffoon that they sent out to 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 and ba- exactly to embarrass everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the behind the scenes stuff is, is Mike Amen. Pence. I think we just need to focus more on like we do have a racist country. We live in a very racist place. No matter if Donald Trump cheated and the Russians colluded on the voting, still over forty million people voted for him. So that that's, that's a lot of yeah. That's a significant amount of people to have these racist ideas that yeah. think this way. So that's it's like not really a mirror of what we dealing exactly. with. Exactly, that's what we really dealing yes. with. Some racist. Yes, and we must be honest about that. Um, but you know, a, a lot of people. I really want to push back against this. People were like, "Oh, I miss Bush and blah blah blah." I'm like. Really? No, Bush was <laughs> awful. He was a wor- the worst. He's worse than Trump. Trump is bad in his own way, mm-hmm. but literally, Bush killed over a million people during his presidency. Mm-hmm. He was something. Went to two wars. Two wars that we're still in right now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just Daddy literally, exactly. And then. Uh, left left um, a whole region of people just in the dark for for a week for Katrina. Like that's a bad that president. Horrible. And even before that, you got the Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan. All these people who were president before have look at the laws that they developed. Look at the 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 policies that they came up with. They are predecessors to mm-hmm. Donald Trump. They made Donald Trump be possible. Mm-hmm. And if you think about Obama. 
Obama was a different kind of person, but he still was doing the work of the presidency, which is to blow up countries and protect America's assets. And he did the same thing, but he was black doing it. So the backlash is is Trump. He got a little pass. Yeah. Obama got a little pass. <laughs> he got a little pass, but yeah. <laughs> People were so upset seeing a black dude being in that position mm-hmm. that they, they voted for Trump. Yeah, they said, we're going to get these folks yeah. next election. Yep. They going to yep. see. Yep. Oh, my God. Just looking at your, your TEDx talk again, because I, I, I watched it when you first put it out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to go to the event, but I, I definitely watched it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You talked about coming from an abusive home, mm-hmm. and that's something that you and I share. Mm-hmm. That's that's really how I moved to this area because my dad got custody of me mm-hmm. because I was going through some abuse with my mother's husband. Mm-hmm. So coming from an abusive home, what do you think has kept you grounded um, just to to keep pushing and moving towards your passion? And how is your relationship with your dad mm-hmm. and uh, your mom? Yeah, my mom has always been like, uh, so she, I didn't grow up with her after, after, after three, three and a half, four years old. She was, yeah, I was like, my dad had custody of me and the rest and my sisters. Um, but I always felt a closeness to her. I could feel that the energy that she was putting into me, um, and the older I got, the more the more I understood where that was coming from. So she she suffers from manic depression and uh, schizophrenia. So she, you know, has was not able to take care of us for for medical reasons. But as I got older, she would always tell me like, "You supposed to be doing music." If I lose a job, she'd be like, nah, that don't matter. Like, you supposed to be. She know her. Th- yeah, yeah. She know for sure. Um, she like you supposed to be doing this and. It was I, I lost a job at Kroger, and my my whole family was mad at me. They was like, "Oh, you blah blah blah, you so lazy." Da, 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 da. And my mom was like, "That's not what you' supposed to be doing. You need to focus on what it is that you need to be doing and what you've been blessed to do." And from that moment on, I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm out here because my mama support what I'm doing. Like everything else don't matter." But beyond that, it was a really tough relationship with my dad because he, you know, the abuse that I started to recognize and pinpoint um, and talk about scapegoated me and my family a lot. Like if you if you bring up issue, you know, in black families, if you bring up the issue, mm-hmm. people get mad at you because they like, no, we just let's just move on. Let's just right. pretend like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Face the yep, elephant yep, in the room. Yep. And so that's what really happened. Um, but we, we have a better relationship now. Mm-hmm. Um, it just took it took an estrangement. I had to be away for almost three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, not no no phone conversations. No, I had to cut a bunch of people off and just like, no, nah, this is I'm not accepting it. Mm-hmm. This is not how my life is going to work. This is not how I'm going to move forward with life until you acknowledge the things that they have right. been done um, to hurt people. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Things are better, um, but you know, still not. It's just on a high, high and by high, like how you doing type of type of vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least it's something because me and my mother, she wasn't doing the abuse. Her her husband was, but um, me and my mother have an estranged relationship, Mm -hmm. and that's something that, like you said, when you get older, you kind of understand more. Like, okay. That's why it happened, and that's why she didn't do what I wanted her mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes, even though it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. It's something that you really don't realize until mm-hmm. you get older. Mm-hmm. Have you all had any counseling? 
I go to therapy. Um, I need to go to yeah, therapy. Yeah, my, my dad just refused to go. <laughs> like he See, just from my that, mom don't want to go. <laughs> he from that generation where. My mom don't want to go it either. Ain't, that ain't happening. But, I, but I that's mean, good that you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's life-saving. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's the only thing that brought me to be able to talk to him. Like mm-hmm. without that. Because my therapist like, you know, you should, after you grieve and, and get, get, get over the feeling, um, the forgiveness is not for that person. It's for you. It's for, it's for you. Uh, and so, but it took me a while. It took me like a year and a half to be like, not constantly saying "f you" in my head mm-hmm. when I thought of them, just because the sheer amount of abuse that, that that took place. But the therapy definitely helps get over. Well, not get over it, but cope with Deal with the with feeling. It. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. I, I I definitely I brought that up to my mom, but she's like like you mentioned with your dad. Yeah, it's it's it. not happening. But, but, <laughs> but me and you trying to talk about it ain't doing nothing, Ma. <laughs> yep, yep. So hopefully, you know, I'll get some kind of resolution, kind of seem, you know, like with your the path that you're on with the abuse. Hopefully I'll get some closure or mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. something different mm-hmm. because I still feel some kind of way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know that feeling. Yep, yeah, it's still there for me. Let's get and, over yeah. it. Like, what we gonna do? Mm-hmm. But um, I'm glad that you and I can talk about this. Um, You know, just being in this business, so many things people don't know about us mm-hmm. and the things that drive us mm-hmm. and our families and um. You have a lot of projects underway right now. Tell me more about this opera festival mm-hmm. um, that you're involved in. Yeah, so this uh, Opera 901 is coming up. Opera Memphis is the company that's, that's putting it on. Two years ago, after, well, almost three yeah, almost three years ago now, uh, I met Ned Canty of Opera Memphis, and uh, he reached out to me and was, you know, we just started having conversations about, you know, what, what it'll look like for me to write an opera. It went from there. They end up getting the grant. Opera America gave them a grant, them and eight other opera companies to innovate opera, you know, save save their companies in a way because a lot of a lot of opera companies are going under. Opera Memphis is in a blessed position to have a really awesome fan base and awesome supporters and, and funders, um, but a lot of other companies don't have that. Um, so this grant was to to help them innovate and think about what it will look like to combine opera with other other genres and other cultures and other ways of, of being and so it was just developed over these years last year we did the river kings at the opera which was just really a hip-hop concert at the opera house um that was sold out we sold out to like 360 people it was my first time like selling out my own headlining show mm-hmm. um so that was super super dope yeah yeah it was, <laughs> it was, it was dope good. in your city yeah in my city tickets was 45 dollars, so i ain't we ain't talking about no five dollar tickets right. like people real deal. yeah yeah they really came through so after that river kings at the opera the work the real work started to happen because i had to literally develop the storyline and get you can't just do an opera. You have to write. I'm like, how do you start writing an opera? <laughs> yeah, you have to write it and develop characters. And, and, and it's really it, like a movie. It is. It is. It's exactly like a movie. But just the lines are uh, the music. So mm. whatever the the conversations, the things move forward through the music. But I was blessed to be able to create the album that I made, which has has a lot of characters in it already who, who I was able to channel into the opera and just develop slightly more characters. Tell us about some of the characters in this opera. Okay. And I'm like, Marco! 
No, no, no. It's it's straight rap. It's rap. It's a hip hop opera. No, not when like, it's singing opera in the opera. I mean, on the choruses and stuff like that, people are going to be singing more operatic. Ooh. That kind of like that, but it's it's really rap. I'm trying to I want okay. people to know that it's rap. Like it's a okay. Yes, it's a hip hop yes. opera. Ah. Like we're not even letting people in if they can't rap. Like, like Hamilton. Can't. No, it's not like Hamilton. It's it's rap. I'm, <laughs> I'm from Memphis. Like it ain't no Curtis Blow. Okay, okay, <laughs> like, it's rapping. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about some of the characters. Okay, so the main character is Tabitha Thompson. Um, she's a photojournalist and activist from the city of Graceland. Um, that's that's the that's the that's the place. Um, the opera is called Welcome to Graceland 2030. It's set in a, set in the future, um, and so she does a lot of investigative work on a yellow fever outbreak that happens in the city in 2030. Um, that that unfortunately kills like a third of the black population. Mm. And so she's fighting to figure out what's going on, like how did this happen, who's responsible. And so she does a lot of the she, – she she really saves the city in the end. Um, I'm not going to give too many details about I, what I she does. Um, but then there's also uh, the mayor that we have, uh, Mayor Mayor Jim Crowland is his name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so he he's working tirelessly to – Keep the city safe, quote unquote, and so these these keep order and keep keep the city safe are cold words for you know arresting black people and keeping keeping black people locked up. And so the focus group is the disconnected youth, the sixteen to twenty four year olds who are not quote unquote working or in school, and so they are under attack in this in this opera. And there's a a CEO of a company who's trying to keep his company afloat. Um, he he founds two schools, uh, Forest High and Forest University, ironically named after Nathan Bedford Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just gets bad. It's a bad. It gets really bad. But Tabitha like coming through to 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 save the world. Okay. Yeah. And when when will the opera be? Can people purchase tickets now? Yes, you can t- purchase tickets now. The first uh, presentation of it, um, this it, it'll be just a demo because we uh, in the future we're we're planning to really fully stage it and get everything uh, really a good budget behind it so we can get you know big big name actors and different stuff like that. But now it's just a demo to present scenes from the opera. But April seventh and April fourteenth, you can come out and see it. Um, tickets are available on operamemphis.org, and you you just go for Opera Nine Hundred One, and that'll that'll be it. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you uh, did you ever imagine you'll be writing an opera? No, you know, not, like <laughs> look where this music world can take <laughs> yep, you. Yeah, And have you met a lot of different type of people since working on the opera? A lot of different creatives or mm-hmm. people you never wondered you'd be working with. Yeah, plenty. Uh, Sam Shoup, uh, the 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 conductor, and he wrote the the orchestral arrangement for 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 my opera. Uh, so the hip hop beats, which uh, was largely produced by Kenny Wayne, my producer, I wrote to those beats, and then uh, Sam Shoup came up with the orchestral arrangement for it all. So working with him. Uh, I was just in New York last week and just being 
in you know in the in the epicenter of theater um, and a lot of different you know different types of art forms and just explaining what I was doing to see people face light up like whoa this mm-hmm. is so cool like I knew I had something I know I got something like incredible because like to be in that space in New York and have they their ear and their attention it was like okay this 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 the deal right here now are they doing projects such as these in New York. Um, Hamilton is the focus, really. Um, that's what that's what I was trying to compare. What you're doing is it like a Hamilton? Nah, this that some, was something new for even was, New York. It was, you know, but this some Memphis shit. This, this some, some Memphis <laughs> shit. This some Memphis shit. So yeah, I mean, it's it's literally you know I feel like I respect my city so much that I never um try to depict the people in the city as is 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 something like less than less than great because the people here do incredible work um but we are in, under a credible amount of oppression and a lot of incredible amount of, of racism and that's this is really what i want to show with the with the opera mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you that's the story that it tells yeah Wow, I'm getting my ticket. Yeah. I gotta go and see you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Now, are you in it? I'm in it. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm you play- starring in. Yeah, it. I'm playing uh, Kriner Armstrong, which is another another character. He's the police, the the chief of police, and he's like super super ratchet and oh, <laughs> like, he's super ratchet. So oh, I'm wow. playing him, and I'm playing another character. Uh, Derek Clark, who's a, uh, another fellow activist that works with Tabitha to 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 overthrow some stuff. This is mm-hmm. gonna be good. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be really good. Maybe they'll put you on tour with this. Hopefully, this we we if we keep building and and getting everything um go, going and growing as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think it'll be super cool. Right. I uh, mean, with your project, maybe we can tap more into that budget, that yeah, twelve billion dollar budget. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's next for Marco Pave? Tell me what's next for you. You got a lot going on. What's next for Marco? Um, this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I'm opening for Big Frida on Saturday. Big Frida, uh, bounce. Yeah, yeah, bounce. Big Frida, yeah, that yeah, Big Frida. Yeah. Where big, what? What's going on? At the High Tone. She's coming to High Tone. When? Uh, March 24th. Oh, that's gonna be nice. It's gonna be sold out already. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's gonna be crazy. So I'm super excited about that. It's gonna be you know. A very very awesome audience mm-hmm. who they there to twerk they there to turn it's up. Be a diverse so, audience. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, be free to bring everybody out. She do. Mm-hmm. So that's coming up uh, April fourth. Um, I'm actually open for Rakim uh, at Look the at, at the New Daisy. The well at the at the Daisy um, across the street from the New Daisy downtown. Um, Is that someone a new place? It's not new. It just hasn't been utilized in a okay. long time. Uh, so that's the the. 50th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. I'm opening for Rakim. Um, then April 7th, obviously, we got the the opera coming up. After the opera and stuff is over, I'm just getting back in the studio, mm-hmm. create new music, um, and get ready to go back on tour. Um, I have, like, this this uh, sponsorship deal with, with Ram Trucks, mm-hmm. and they That's a good give me, like, a, 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 a sprinter van so I can go on tour. Um, and we'll be capturing video content and all this stuff uh, over the summer. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's exciting. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm super excited about everything. I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Thank um, you. I met you a while back here mm-hmm. in the city of Memphis, and your growth has just really blossomed. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. And just like, you know, 
the Kendricks motivate you. You're motivating a lot of these mm-hmm. artists here in the mm-hmm. city. So we really need you. Mm-hmm. And we really appreciate everything mm-hmm. that you do. I appreciate it. And I just want to thank you for coming to Verbally Effective. Yeah, you have yeah. really set off my episode 11. That's, that's what's up. <laughs> thank you so much, Marco Pave. Episode 11 of Verbally Effective in the book. And the way they roll, just rebels without a cause, with no place to go, and so they kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, kick, push, coast. So come roll with me, just a rebel, looking for a place to be, so let's kick, uh.